The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast Arnold Palmer Invitational Weekend Preview and the biggest news story of the week. We've got to talk about it all. And to do that, I want to bring in my good pal, Greg Ducharme. Welcome, Greg. It's great to be back. Big news to talk about today, huh? Yeah, we haven't done one of these in two, like two weeks because you I wasn't here for the Honda after the first two rounds. So I'm, I'm stoked. I'm ready to rock and roll. That's right. We're ready. Our, our 36. This is the one where we get to find out how do we do what were all of our picks? Who who faded based on one of our picks? Who's who's kind of like slapping their forehead? Uh, and and who do we get right? It's it's always fun to. This is kind of like the halfway marker where we we decide if our choices were good yeah. or bad. Yeah, I think we did okay this week. But before we jump into the actual Arnold Palmer, uh, just a few hours ago, the the massive news dropped that Tiger Woods will not be playing at next week's players championship. And uh, we were kind of talking before we got on air, Greg, uh, Kyle Porter and myself were live on CBS sports HQ. When this news dropped, I think my jaw dropped um, as five o'clock approached. I was, I was getting nervous that this was going to be the outcome, but what are your initial reactions to tiger not playing next week? I had heard some, uh, some murmurs of this uh, and none of the sources were, so accurate where you kind of could really trust him. Like I couldn't go out there and say, Hey, he's not going to play. They weren't that kind of source. It was just kind of like murmurs around the mill. And from the sounds of it, he's just hurt. He's just still hurt. His back's still stiff. He's just not quite ready. And so I'm not entirely surprised missing the Arnold Palmer. Okay. Well, what's one extra week do for him? I'm disappointed. I, I would love to see him play. And I think reps are an important thing. But this is, uh, unfortunately, it, and it's sad to say, I think this is just kind of our the new Tiger Woods. We just have to get used to Friday at 4 or 5 o'clock, waiting to see if he's going to play or not. And when he doesn't, well, there's, there's not much we can do. Can't really be too surprised at this point. Yeah, so his agent, Mark Steinberg, this the, the quote that he gave, and I'll just read it in its entirety because it's like two sentences. Uh, Back, just not ready. Not concerning long-term, just not ready. Well, Greg, I'll tell you, uh, that's concerning. Okay. Like I, you, you can say that. And I know he has to say that, but for a guy who schedules his whole career around, presumably the four majors, a handful of the other big tournaments in which you would think the player's championship would fall into that category to not be ready because of an injury is concerning. Yeah, it, it is. You're, you're absolutely right. It's not concerning because he's missing the players. In my opinion, right. it's concerning because he's hurt and we're kind of coming up on a pretty important tournament here <laughs> in just a couple of weeks. There's only after players, there's only three more available tournaments for him to play in. 
And if he's got one, I, I would highly, highly doubt that you're going to see him play in, you know, in three weeks in a row leading into Masters. You're not going to no. see that. So we're basically, realistically, we're at either zero or one start before Masters after, uh, after Genesis. And Genesis didn't end very well. No. Um, so that, that's a little bit concerning. It's a little bit disappointing. And that's my biggest concern is his reps. I, you know, missing players. He's won players' championship twice. He's proven himself there plenty of times. Eighty, even eighty-three. He, he's still chasing uh, eighteen. Eighteen is the number Tiger's still chasing. And if he's going to get anywhere near that, eighty-three is going to take care of him itself. So I'm not like counting down the days until he gets eighty-three. But uh, at, at the same time, I want him to get ready. I want him to get ready for so that eighty-three happens and ends with a with a green jacket too. So. You mentioned it. Now, now the big question for me is, what does this schedule look like? Because, you know, he didn't play the Arnold Palmer last year and he played the players and like we like. So at, until, you know, until four o'clock Eastern today, you know, Friday, I should say, uh, things were going just as they were last year. And this announcement kind of threw everything through a loop. So now you're looking at if he doesn't play the players, which he's not going to. You've got the Valspar. Then you've got WGC match play. Uh, Valero, Texas Open. So he's, I mean, he's not going to play the week before the Masters. So the Texas Open's out. Um, he's played Valspar recently, but then, like, I doubt he plays two weeks in a row and goes to WG. Like, what are we even? I don't think he's going to play before before the Masters. Man, I mean, you're not far off. Originally, at the beginning of the year in January, when we talked about it, I had him down as playing. Uh, I had him down for playing the match play. In fact, I thought that the match play would be where he got win number 83. Uh, but match play could be a lot of golf, three minimum yeah. rounds. And if you contend and you get close to winning, you're talking about five rounds. And yeah. I don't think that that's good for Tiger. So I, I'm kind of with you, Rick. I, I think we're going to see zero. But don't be. Do, do you think there's any chance we see him at, uh, at Valspar as a warm up? I mean, he came in second place last Last time, I think in 2018, he had a putt to tie. I believe it was Paul Casey. Uh, he had a putt to tie that he just missed. It was a long putt. But, I mean, he, he really gave it a, a good run. So I think that's the only – if he's going to play before the Masters, I think it has to be the Valspar because we've, we've ruled out the Valero Texas Open. Your point about the match play is dead on. That starts on a Wednesday. It's it's five days of golf. And if you make it to the finals, you're playing like 36 holes because you're playing the consolation game. If even if you lose in the in the in the final four, like it's a lot of golf. It's a ton of golf. So I I, I imagine he's out on that. So I think realistically, if we see him, it's it's got to be at it's got to be at Valspar. Yeah, it, it would make more sense. The only concern with Valspar now is that it's before match play. So <laughs> yeah. we have a timetable issue. Is he going to have enough? Is he gonna, he's not ready for the players. Is he really going to be ready for Valspar the week after players? Yeah. It, that almost doesn't make any sense. So uh, to me, match play still makes sense, um, although I don't like it. Because like you said, like we both have said, there's a lot of golf to be played in the match play. That is also assuming that you, that you win. And sure. there's not really a lot of, you know, if he's, if he's still hurt and if he's rusty. If we're worried about him at Augusta, uh, if we're worried about him for Masters, then we shouldn't really be worried that he's going to be playing too much golf and match play. <laughs> right. That's, that's actually true. Especially from what we saw at Genesis, uh, he would last, he'd play his three matches and he'd get out of town. <laughs> right. So, uh, you know, there, I kind of go back and forth with this and I'm um, just talking through it. Uh, the more I think about it, 
the more I can kind of say, I don't know. And yeah. I guess towards to your original point, I think it's pretty likely that we're just not going to see him. Yeah, we're, we're off script now. Um, so us trying to guess, us trying to speculate is really all it is. Now, I got two other two other things here. Um, this one's kind of quick because I think at this point we were, we were already trying to figure out uh, if he could even qualify for the Olympics, if you would if you would play enough. Uh, missing a big time event like this and potentially sitting out at a WGC, the idea of Tiger playing in the Olympics uh, is getting more slim by the day. Absolutely. It, his chances are going down and down and down. Um, now, you did have the interest level of other players is the thing that piques my interest. True. Because you have Dustin Johnson, who has now said he's not going to play. That mm-hmm. opens up one more spot. We know Brooks Kepka is sitting on the fence. There's a potential of two spots. I don't think Justin Thomas would would bail. I don't think Patrick Reed would bail. I don't think Webb Simpson would bail. So um, I, I think there's still some pretty tight competition for him. But here's the thing. You can't just play to try to like rack up free world golf ranking points <laughs> if you're not healthy. Like, you have to be primed in a position to, to actually play when you get there. So if he burns himself out, and he's really hurt, and he can't recover, and it takes him all summer to recover, well, what's the point of qualifying for the team? right? What, what, if you can't go when, when the time actually comes, what's the point? Yeah. So, uh, you know, the mad rush to make the Olympic team, in Tiger's eyes, he's got to get himself ready for majors. And if he, if he can get his body prepared and ready to go and ready to win a major championship, then the Olympics could take care of himself. Because right now, I mean, you have to get inside the top five now with DJ out, and it may be inside the top six American players. I would have to think a victory at the Masters, the PGA, or the U.S. Open would probably catapult him right into, right into position. Last thing on Tiger. Um, are we getting to the point? So Tiger has always had a condensed schedule. I shouldn't say condensed because it's not like he plays it all within two months, but he plays less events than most. And knowing how important just the majors are and the big events are for him, throw in the back, the neck, the ankle, the wrist, like whatever the injury of the week is for Tiger, are we now getting to the point where we are only going to see him play four or five times a year? Four or five times, maybe a little low, um, but it's a very realistic possibility. It's a move Ben Hogan made after right. his car accident. He, he got to a point where he basically only played in majors. For Tiger, we've heard him say many times, I need reps, which I've always believed. You know, in, in two, when he first kind of was on the comeback trail in 2018 and 2019, his play was significantly better in the second or third consecutive week. Um, when, when he played a lot, or even if it was maybe two out of three, if he played two out of three weeks, that second tournament, that last tournament was always his best. And he, so I, my take on Tiger was always, okay, he needs reps. If we see him play a number of tournaments in a row, come the end, by the time he gets into rhythm and he gets to towards the end of that run, yeah, you're going to see him perform really well. And the first one, well, you know, maybe we're going to see uh, kind of an average finish. But then he went out at the Zozo after knee surgery and his first event back and dominates the field and looks like he'd been playing all season long. So he's kind of once again thrown me for a loop and yeah. it leads me to where I, I, I don't know if if he feels that playing four or five tournaments a year is the best route for him, then I, that's probably what you're going to see. And who better to trust than Tiger Woods himself? 
I think if I looked at this just kind of in a vacuum and I was like, okay, he's 40, whatever years old, he's had all these injuries, you know, he, he already plays a smaller schedule than most. If he plays eight or 10 times a year, so be it, whatever. But the point you just made, Greg, is like, I thought 2020 was setting up to be this massive year, right? He's going to defend his green jacket. He comes out at Zozo and just sounds the alarms for everybody and looks great and wins. I think he went wire to wire. If he didn't, it was something close to that. I, and, I think you're right. Yeah. And, and and it's just like, oh my gosh, okay, he's going to be good. He's got this whole body, this whole schedule. Everything's figured out. He's coming into 2020. He's healthy. And here we go. And now... Before we even get to the first major of the year, uh, you know, the fifth major, we've 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 got an issue. So I, I think it's throwing being thrown through a loop, I feel like is the perfect way to describe it. <laughs> yeah, we are being thrown through a loop. I mean, he was the best player on the property at, at President's Cup, no doubt about oh, it. Oh yeah. There I you mean, go. Talk about being thrown through the ringer in a one and done pool. Like you wh- where are you gonna play Tiger? Are you gonna play him? You're probably gonna get through this whole season without putting Tiger in your one and done pool because you're not gonna have enough to go on. I mean, you're just going to maybe just throw them in sometime at the end of the year. But at what point do you, it's uh, extremely uh, troubling, such such a strong word, because this is Tiger Woods we're talking about. And to bet against him is uh, like making a deal with the devil. So (laughs) you're probably going to be wrong. So I don't don't know what to make of it. I I just unfortunately think this is the Tiger that we're going to get going forward. He's going to have when he, when he feels good, He'll play and he'll probably play really well. And when he doesn't feel well, he's not going to play. He's not going to put himself through it. We saw it at the President's Cup on Saturday. He, there, there's 36 holes to be played on Saturday. We're all thinking, okay, well, I know you're captain, but you're the best player on the team. And you've shown it every time you've teed it up. So, And all of a sudden, he doesn't play on Saturday. And, and we later find out he was his back was stiff. So he just didn't play. Yeah. And they still won, so uh, it's, I don't know. It, I'm sure there will be plenty more oxygen used on uh, Tiger Woods over the next couple of, of days and weeks, but here's what we'll do. We're going to take a quick reset, take a quick break, and we're going to jump into the Arnold Palmer. So uh, let's take a second and hear a word from our sponsors. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there. And I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, First time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Take your business further with a smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. 
you can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. All right, welcome back. So here we go. We do have a tournament this week, Greg. It's it's a pretty big one. It's the Arnold Palmer Invitational. We've got a lot of uh, studs here. And the two guys at the top of the leaderboard, none other than Terrell Hatton and Sung Kang, just as we all expected, Greg. <laughs> yep, definitely. All. I, I did hear a little bit of uh, uh, Tyrell Hatton. Yeah, um, I, I did hear a little bit of his name coming up. He has been playing pretty well of late, so it's not extremely surprising to see him playing well. Sung Kang is a little more surprising to me. I, I did not expect Sung Kang to um, to come out and start like this. He is a pretty good player. I mean, we saw him win the AT and T Byron Nelson last year, and he was scary good. Like he he basically dominated and it was uh it, it was impressive to see so can Sung Kang be one of those guys that just pops up and 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 wins when he gets into contention every time I don't know I mean he's driving the ball great this week so far uh, well he led the field in round two in strokes gain off the tee um so I, that's a good sign here at a place like Bay Hill you definitely notice some some bad lies I this week much more than probably any other week we've seen, except for maybe Torrey Pines or, or Riviera. This was definitely some of the worst rough we've seen so far, wouldn't you say? I, I would say, and there were some lies that... Um, I, the only way I could describe... It was like perfectly described as cabbage right like when you hear your balls in the cabbage i was like that legitimately looks like that ball is in cabbage um so so terrell hatton uh, i love this guy first of all he goes out 68 69 he's seven under par he's got a uh, you know him and sun kang with that one shot lead over over danny lee yeah so hatton was off the radar for two and a half months he missed two and a half months with the wrist uh wrist surgery that he had but before he had that surgery at the end of 2019 he went out and he won the turkish airlines open which is a fairly sizable uh event on the on the Euro European tour. Um, he actually leads the PGA tour in basically every strokes gained category, but it's only like the four rounds at the WGC Mexico, but, um, he's playing well, came, made his, made his return at WGC Mexico T six there. He's in the lead here. This is, this is a really good spot. I, I like this guy. And what I like the most Greg is, uh, he does the commentary for you. So when he hits a shot, you know, exactly how he feels good, bad, or indifferent. Does that worry you at all? I know when you no. talk about a guy like John Rahm, maybe it, it's a little worrisome. Maybe he's been known as a little bit of a hothead before. We may even have said that on, on Tuesday. I don't know whether it was on air or not. But I almost wonder if on a course like this, where basically there's been a double bogey on every single hole this week so far, except hole number seven, uh, there, there's trouble lurking out here. If Tyrrell Hatton finds himself uh, making a big number on a hole are you worried at all that he's going to kind of lose it a little bit I, I don't think so so guys like this uh you know whether they are emotional or whether they are like keith mitchell who you can barely tell if he has a pulse or even a better example like jason duffner back in the day right when you saw him at the top of the leaderboard you never knew if he was winning the golf tournament or he was in dead last uh, i just want these guys to be what they are I don't want Terrell Hatton to try to, you know, pipe down and keep and be like and, and and not say something because he's trying to be something that I want him to be. I just want these guys to play the way they are. If John Rahm or Terrell Hatton wants to slam their club because that's how they're into it, I'm usually pretty cool with it. Like just just be who you are, man. That's what this game is. 
any worry? Is there anything about either of these guys at the top? Like, like when, when you look at these two players at the top, like you said, they're not necessarily the guys we expected to be here. When you look at them from a statistical standpoint, is there any concern or anything that says, hey, these guys are really capable of holding on through the weekend? Uh, not yet. I mean, uh, statistically, Sung Kang's probably in a better position. You mentioned that he's, he's second in the field in strokes gained off the tee through two rounds. Um, he's up there in strokes gained approach as well. He's gained two shots there. They're, they've both gained basically three and three quarters of a shot putting, but like that's to be expected when you're in first after two rounds. The guy that would be the major concern is Danny Lee, who is, uh, actually one shot back. He's done all his damage on the greens. So he's gained seven and a half strokes on the greens, including uh, like five and a half today alone. So he would be the one guy at the top that I'm like, oh, this is unsustainable. We will see you lower in the leaderboard in two days. Yeah, the big concern with him is he I mean, see, putting really well isn't the reason why we're concerned with him. Right. Right. That's not like a bad. Sometimes that's looked at as a bad thing. It's not. The problem with Danny Lee right now is that he's only hit. Uh, I guess 19 out of 36 greens. He hit 10 yesterday, he hit nine today. And when you see that kind of performance, we saw it with a Justin Rose last year at the U S open. Uh, we saw it with Bill Mickelson earlier this year at the AT&T Pebble beach pro-am eventually missing a lot of greens becomes extremely stressful. And eventually it's going to catch up with you. There are certain occasions, if if your name's maybe Patrick Reed, where you can last four rounds or, or even into a playoff with phenomenal short game. But uh, he's going to have to hit a lot more greens over the weekend, in my opinion, to, to contend. Yeah. Um, you know who is right behind that next group is a guy who just won on the PGA Tour last week. Uh, Mr. Greg, it's Sung J.M. who went out early on Friday, shot a three under 69, and he got to just sit around in the afternoon and watch this course beat everybody else up. It well, it got really tough out there, man. Yeah. I mean, this was uh, not an easy golf course. It's fun to watch. Like I said, double bogey on every hole except for one. That is, uh, you know, it, it's like it's like going to a great play. There's drama, there's comedy, there's excitement, there's great shots and there's disaster around every corner. So it's exciting to watch. And Sungjae's game is perfect for that. The concern that we had on Tuesday with Sungjae was the fact that he just won. Yep. Uh, how realistic of a concern <laughs> is that? But I think we're learning a lot about this player. This is a really young player, like we said, you know, he's 21 years of age. He is extremely young. And to come off of your first win on the PGA Tour, uh, and and perform the very next week, that's a risky proposition. You don't know how that's going to perform. I mean, consider this. You're 21 years old. You just won, what, a million two? Um, and what what do you what would you do? I'll ask you, the <laughs> listener. I'll ask you, Rick. I mean, what would you do? I don't know if you'd be getting ready and grinding on the range and preparing yourself to play another tournament three days later. Great. I, I just don't know if you would. Okay, you would not see me at work the next day if you gave me $1.2 million. So, like, the fact that Sungjae even showed up to work the next day is, like, impressive as it is, man. I'd be on a vacation somewhere, let me tell you that. Um, So we definitely have learned something about this guy, right? Your boy. Yes, for sure. You got to keep in mind, Sungjae M is always on vacation because he's he's always living in a hotel. That's true. So this is just a perpetual vacation. I got a question about that. What does he do about laundry? Like he, I mean, the shipping, have that. the shipping to and from for him. I mean, how do you carry it all around? He's got to have all these different clothes. I mean, 
I what, assume. Like, okay, you okay? Not to go on a quick tangent here, but you know how Allen Iverson lost three hundred million dollars that he earned in his uh, NBA playing career is he would get on a plane with just a toiletry bag and he would buy clothes in every city that he was in and he would just leave them in the hotel room when he when he left and he'd spend like thirty grand in every city or whatever. Uh, maybe that's wow. what Sung Jay's doing. May it, well, it could be. I think there's probably something like that where maybe whoever I don't know, I'm not sure what clothing company uh, he's repping these days, but whatever it is, they're sending him stuff each week to the yeah, course and exactly. he's either leaving them behind or sending them back or I don't know what. Yeah, but I imagine it's crazy to think about. I imagine they're coordinating it all with the hotels. He leaves he leaves the clothes there. They ship them back to his manufacturer. He's got new clothes at the place he shows up at and he's just living out of a suitcase all the time. But I mean, the, those little details about living out of a suitcase, you don't think about, but they're, they're extremely complex. You got no home base. So yeah. I don't know. I, I just give him so much credit. I think that's a lot more difficult than people make it out to be. I, I really don't think it's vacation. Like, uh, like Jacob hinted out there. <laughs> uh, can Great I tell ad, you, though, Jacob. <laughs> can, can I tell you, I think he's going to win the golf tournament. So oh, he do. is the only guy uh, on what we would call like the first page of the leaderboard. So the top 12 guys on the leaderboard who is currently losing strokes putting. And Sungjae is a very good putter. Uh, he's the 36th ranked putter on tour this year. So he's leaving a lot of strokes out there. He is obviously playing very well right now. He just won the golf tournament last week. He is now just, what, two shots off the lead uh, this week. Like, I I actually think Sungjae might win again this week. And... I mean, he's obviously, Rick, we've said it a million times, yeah. great player from Tita Green. He is so steady, Tita Green. And this is kind of the Florida swing makes a lot of sense for him. Um, that it's a, it's a great pick. I mean, look at the look down the leaderboard. The, I guess the other guy you got to worry about would be like, a, I don't know, Rory McIlroy. Oh, I've uh, heard of him. Let's talk about him. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. So Rory uh, follows up his first round 66 with a second round 73. It's one over par. A couple of shots got away from him. He like literally chunked two out of the right rough on eight, like within 10 seconds of each other. Um, he ends up making a double there. He follows it up. He bounces back with a birdie on nine. This was just kind of a weird round for Rory. Greg, I'm not sure how much you saw of this, but like, what did you think about Rory out there today? Well, eight was eight was uh, very interesting. Yeah. I mean, you just kind of look what, like, what, wait, is this Rory McElroy or is this Matt Every? Yeah. Like, what, what, you know, what, what <laughs> not to pick on Matt Every at all, but I, I'm just saying, like, this is a player that you wouldn't expect to have a situation like that. You wouldn't expect him on the eighth hole to hit a ball. And I'll just read you some numbers here. If you just look at the the shot tracker, it's kind of it, it, entertaining. I mean, he hit it like 15 yards. Yeah. His his tee shot, he hits 297 yards to primary rough, 145 yards to the hole. His second shot, he hits 45 feet. Ugh. Not <laughs> 45 even 45 feet. yards. <laughs> now he's got. I guess that's probably 45. Uh, no, that's 40. That's like 45, 45 feet. feet. Yeah. No, he yeah. like literally he literally didn't get it off the ground. Yeah, 45 feet. 129 yards from the hole he's left with. Then he hit it 52 yards, and yeah. he's got 83 yards left. You don't see that out of, out of a, a Rory McIlroy, even if the rough's a little thick. I, I mean, I wouldn't say you'd see that at Wingfoot this year at the U.S. Open, right? He said 
uh, Steve Sands asked him after the round, like, first of all, what were you thinking on the first one? And what were you thinking on the second one? And he was like, well, the lie was better on the second one. I thought I could do that one. And he <laughs> yeah, the same right. thing. Oh, man. But what, what I think is so impressive about this guy is, and we talk about this a lot with Rory, is he, he seems to always sign for, like, the highest score he could have possibly shot because he's so good. Like, this round could have gotten away from him. So he bogeys seven, doubles eight with two literal chunks and makes a birdie on nine. And, like, he can... He, you know, he didn't necessarily do it. Uh, he made two birdies coming in and offset it with one bogey. But like, he can flip this switch and just be like, "Forget about it. Uh, I'm going to make a birdie on the next hole. I'm going to be Rory McIlroy on the back nine. Like, I'm going to be just fine." You don't see a guy finish in the top five for five straight weeks. I mean, the statistics of of his finishes are outrageous, going yeah. back for quite some time. All basically all of last year, combining last year and this year, the consistency he continues to demonstrate is uh is shocking it, it's unbelievably good and you don't get to that point you don't get to that place in your game without being able to overcome silly i'll call it silly silly things like this you yeah. so his attitude this year the place he where he is in his mind it, it's a place that i think has improved tremendously last year and this year Rory's attitude has been the difference maker for him. It's not a talent thing. It's not I mean, the putting. Sure. It's improved. Uh, I'll give you that, but it's an attitude thing for him. And you're not seeing the, as slumpy of shoulders. You're not seeing this kind of like he, he, you're not seeing him complain very much in interviews. He seems to be in an extremely positive place. And that's how you overcome that kind of tobacco. Like he, he has this kind of, uh, outside view of the game. He's seen it from the big picture. He says, okay, look, it's one hole and, and he can shake it off. It, it's a great perspective to have. Yeah. It's like he matured like 10 years in like two months. It's kind of been awesome right. to see. Uh, all right. So he's five under with Sung Jay with Harris English. And then one shot behind those, I'm just going to rattle off a couple of names here. Cause I think we talked about a lot of these guys, or at least some of these guys on Tuesday. Uh, the big one here is Mark Leishman. So Mark Leishman's four under he, sh- he had one of the rounds of the day today, uh, three under 69. He went out early this morning. Uh, and then Patrick Reed also there at four under, you know, we liked both of these guys, Mark Leishman, you know, you get him on a, a difficult course. He tends to play better uh he tends to play very well and then patrick reed who just continues to be on the patrick reed revenge tour and you know continues to put himself at the top of the leaderboard it's extremely patrick reed's ridiculous i i mean i don't know what to say he just he overcomes everything uh you talk about a a mark leishman who like you said i was a big fan of this week um I, i picked him on course record and we talked about him on tuesday and he is back at it with the putter again, gaining nearly four strokes, but 3.7 strokes putting. He ranked fourth today and it kind of puts him in position. He doesn't do anything extremely well, uh, except for, I guess, the putter today. It, it, everything's just kind of average, slight yep. gains. He lost a little bit off the tee today, but he's never been a big time fairway hitter. I mean, he hit, he hit eight greens today. He hit eight greens yesterday. That is... Uh, extremely low. So looking forward, I, I don't see that being what continues. I, I think Mark Leishman will hit more greens over the weekend. Right? Well, it's weird. It's weird because he, he broke Tory in a way you're not supposed to beat it. And now he's like trying to do the same thing around here, which is just like, it hurts my brain because I like the math and I like that there's certain ways to win a golf tournament, but yeah, he showed us like four weeks ago, he can break the, break the course. 
he has a different formula to win. It, much like Patrick Reed, their formula is a little bit different than it is for a Rory McIlroy. But what I like about Mark Leishman is, while his short game and putting are so good, like he isn't always scrap. Like Patrick Reed, I feel like is always struggles tee to green. Str- air quotes struggles it's from a statistical standpoint, and then. Around the green, he's phenomenal, exceptional. I feel like that's a continuous thing that's happened throughout his whole career. With Mark Leishman, I feel like we get moments where he's a great ball striker, moments where he's uh, really solid off the tee. That's probably the weakest part of his game, but a great iron player. Oh, now his short game is on fire. Uh, the put- Oh, he's got the putter working this week. Like He, he has that kind of well-rounded skill set, and we, we just don't really see him put it all together a lot. We are going to get a weekend from Brooks Kepka, who is now in a tie for 38th. He was one over today. That is his total for the tournament. What I don't like about Brooks in this return, Greg, is he's been just kind of like, he's making a lot of birdies, which is great, but he's offsetting them with a lot of bogeys. And I'm like, hey, if he can tighten this up a little bit, things will be just fine for Brooks. And he did that. Basically, most of the day today, I mean, he was he had one birdie, one par through 17 holes, and then he bogeys 18. I, I think that's at least a good sign. You know, it's not as many birdies as I would like to see, but I, I think Brooks really just needs to tighten this up, avoid the big number, uh, play well on the weekend, and try to find some momentum for next week. To worry about Brooks Kepka is a, a very dangerous thing. <laughs> I think it's a waste of energy, right? If you consider, if you say worrying about things is not good. Brooks is not a concern of mine at all. I, the injury, I don't believe, is a factor right now in the fact that like, I, I don't think he's in pain. I don't think pain is affecting his play. I think the injury has affected his preparation and uh, uh, over time. So you kind of come after President's Cup, into Genesis, into the early part of the season, and he hasn't been able to practice. He hasn't been able to get reps. He's a little uh, rusty. And Brooks would never use that as an excuse. But I think that's when you see a guy that makes a lot of birdies and makes some big numbers. Like he, I mean, on, on number six at Honda last week, he hit it in the water twice. <laughs> Brooks Kepka doesn't do, he doesn't do that, but he did last week. It, it's rust. He's got to play it off a little bit. And Brooks to me, I don't think you're going to see a charge over the weekend. I don't think you're going to see him contend in this tournament by any means. Um, but I, I do think you're going to see Brooks Kepka come come April. I think you're going to see a guy that's ready to go. You know who we will not see on the weekend? Uh, he was the second most expensive golfer on DraftKings. He had the second shortest odds. He almost won the golf tournament last week. And it's Tommy Fleetwood, who is going to miss the cut and finish eight over par. That miss cut is the first miss cut he is going to, I don't want to say accomplish, the first miscut in 33 straight starts on the PGA Tour. Colin Morikawa now holds the longest cut streak on the PGA Tour at 21 with his made cut this week. Uh, I did not see this coming from Tommy. I didn't either. I mean, especially it's not like he missed it by one. I, I mean, I guess <laughs> no. you're, you got to say he's going to miss a cut at some point, but you would think this is a great golf course for him. You would think this is a, a, a place where he's going to do really well. He did last year. I mean, yep. last year he, he was the 36-hole leader. I think he was nine under through 36 holes. This year, a completely different story, shooting uh, 70, 76 two days in a row. I, I would love to know when the last time Tommy Fleetwood shot two 76s in a row 
tournament or non-tournament when that is because it may i mean he may have been 12 so <laughs> I, I just it, it is a little surprising and uh, it didn't go very well for him off the tee around the green i mean it didn't go well for him anywhere a- yeah. anywhere in his game so do you have any concerns looking forward with him no i mean listen now now you look at it and you say okay this guy has made 33 of his last 34 cuts <laughs> like that's yeah, still right. that's still Pretty awesome good. and um you know i i well, I, I was going to say I never try to get into these guys' heads, but actually I do that all the time, so that would be a lie. But I, I think that, you know, maybe that another close call last week at the Honda and another failed attempt at getting his first PGA Tour win, maybe it weighed on him more than we would like to believe. Maybe it drained him more. And you're right, to go out and shoot 276 is where he made two birdies all week is not Tommy Fleetwood, especially at a course that he should be just, you know, just fine at. So. Uh, no, I'm not worried. I, I expect him to get right back into, you know, top 15 player in the world shape or whatever he is right now. But uh, very weird to see him come out and shoot 76, 76. The, the only thing that's a little concerning for me is what happened, the way it ended last week. Not that it was a close call, not that he didn't win. The fact that he rinsed it on 18. That, that is a shot that can stick with a player. Uh, you know, the defending champion here who did not play, who had to withdraw, Francesco Molinari. We saw him, after winning last year, have a chance at the Masters. That was, I mean, it, he looked like a, a robot at Masters. And he hits it into the water on number 12. And basically, since then, he's done nothing. He's done, maybe he's injured, I don't know. But there, there's uh, shots. Jordan Spieth hit that shot on number 12 at Augusta. Certain shots can stick with a player and they can they can ruin confidence and Tommy Fleetwood seems like a guy that can get past that he seems like a guy that that's not really going to bother him too much I think he said I'll have a burger and a beer and I'll be fine (laughs) tomorrow yeah I I don't I don't know if if that's uh, at all possible like there may really be something here to worry about so I, I would say if he didn't you know, hit that shot on 18 last week and missed the cut this week, it wouldn't be a big deal. But I'm definitely going to watch him closely, more closely than I would normally watch a guy like Tommy Fleetwood after missing a cut. All right, we'll keep our eye on Tommy. And then uh, uh, two more, you know, bigger names in the world of golf. Uh, one missed the cut, Phil Mickelson, and the other, Jason Day, withdraws a, a second year in a row for Jason Day uh, with the back injury or pain or spasm, or I don't even know what it is. Uh, but not going to allow him to finish the second round uh, at Bay Hill. I, but it's almost like more of the same from these guys. You know, I don't, I don't know how you want to handle this. Phil is, Phil is now going to be on the outside looking in at the U.S. Open as he's currently number 60 in the world, and that's certainly going to drop. And then, you know, Jason Day, um, things were looking good at least to start the year that he was looking healthy, and we get another one. He's one swing away from just kind of withdrawing and, you know, tweaking something. Yeah, it's so disappointing. I'm yeah. such a big Jason Day fan. Uh, he, he's such a he's such a good guy. He try you can see he tries so hard, and maybe it maybe it's too hard. But injuries are just uh, they're they're really damaging this career because this guy is extremely talented, and I, I think it's really hurting him. So I, I feel bad for Jason Day. Um, and yes, I'm worried about it because what can you do going forward? We've seen no sign of of health out of him. Every time we do, we get an incident like this. So yeah, extremely concerned with Jason day, Phil Mickelson, a different story. This, like I said, like you said, was expected. The same thing happened last year. The Arnold Palmer invitational last year was an event where Phil said uh, the rough was so long that it messed up his swing. He Mm -hmm. almost 
if you remember, he almost would, he almost didn't play the players. He was going to go down there and see what the rough was like. He, he was on this little two week stint where thick rough was the enemy for him. Cause he liked, this is kind of early in the bomb stage. He likes to hit bombs. And if he gets penalized with thick rough, it's not good for him. So uh, I, I think it's a hard course for him. The way it's been set up the past couple of years has been a challenge for Phil. And I think that's why you see him slam in the trunk this weekend. All right, let's look ahead to the weekend. Guys that are actually going to be here and how we think this is going to play out. So just to recap this, Terrell Hatton, Sung Kang, they are in the lead at seven under par. Danny Lee is one shot back at six. Then you have three guys, Harris English, Sung J.M., and someone we've heard of, Rory McIlroy, three shots back at five under par. Um, as you look forward to Saturday and Sunday, Greg, how do you envision the Arnold Palmer Invitational playing out? Well, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see. Danny Lee, like we said, is a guy relying on an extremely hot putter. So while he's only one shot back, he's yeah, probably he's, the least. Favorite. He's gone. He's gone. Right? Get, get him out of here. He's gone. <laughs> yeah, right. You, that's the guy you cross off. Yeah. Um, now, what's really in, uh, Rory and Sungjae at five under are, you know, you're looking really high at those guys. Harris English, I think, is a really nice player. Uh, had a great wraparound season played his way basically back onto the PGA tour in the wraparound season. So I, I do like him, but I don't have near the confidence in a Harris English that I do in Sung JM or Rory McIlroy. And that is, uh, I apologize for being so obvious. Now, Tyrrell Hatton and Sung Kang are the wild cards for me. I don't know. I have no idea what I'm going to get out of them. My prediction looking at it is I, I would, I would guess we'll see a slow start kind of like we saw last week at the Honda in the final group. Brendan Steele and Tommy Fleetwood kind of it was a little sluggish it was a little bit of a grind for them during those final rounds I could see that happening here in the final group tomorrow um, if, if they are in the same position come Sunday I could see that happening I think the door is wide open for Sungjae and Rory the really interesting guys to me are the guys in the four under group this is where this is it it's fascinating to me I think they're right in the mix you look at a Mark Leishman He's a guy that's a, that's very capable of shooting a low one, running up the leaderboard and getting a victory. Patrick Reed, another guy, uh, extremely comfortable in that situation. You could see him charge tomorrow. I, I, the right now, you look at Sungjae after last week, Rory, Mark Leishman, and Patrick Reed, and you have a really strong group of winners. These are guys that win on the PGA Tour. They're they're not nice play like like. Uh, Who's a good like Harris English is a really nice player. He's not a, a, a very common winner on the PGA Tour. Sam Burns is not a very common winner on the PGA Tour. You, you look at some of these names, Ricky Fowler, even not an, an extremely <laughs> common winner on the PGA Tour. But this group, uh, to me, they're right in the mix. Mac with with him, who I'm calling a, a consistent winner, even though he just won for the Heck first yes. time last week. But yeah. he belongs in that conversation. Yeah. So he, Rory, Leishman, and Reed, they're all right there in a row. I, I look for those guys, uh, one or all of them, to really make a move tomorrow. And I expect one of those four guys to be holding the trophy at the end of the week. How dare you not mention Brendan Todd, the Todd father, the guy who Man. nearly you know won what? three tournaments in a row. I mean, I don't actually believe he's going to win this golf tournament, but uh, he's three. Okay, so here's the thing about the, this event, and it's very similar to last week at the Honda. This is not going to be 20 under par. 
these holes are going to bite back. And this is a very condensed leaderboard, which generally means it's wide open. And we saw it was it was Saturday into Sunday last week. So there was only one round left. Mackenzie Hughes was like four or five shots back and he touched the lead at a point like we're going to this. This could this entire leaderboard could flip after Saturday's round. And you'd be talking about entirely different names going into Sunday's final round. So uh, I love the fact that we've got a hard course and we've got a condensed leaderboard. But I will tell you. We do this every every Friday night. I'm like, who's the guy that's gaining T to green and who's not putting well? Sung Jay is like the stat guy. Sung Jay is like, if you plug this into a model, Sung Jay is going to win this golf tournament. Uh, Rory breaks models. So I don't know if you can really, you know, include him in there. But like, I, I don't know. So here's what I'll say. Who out of these guys? Uh, I don't care who you think is going to win. Who do you want to win? Who would be like the best? Like for you personally, would you think it would be cool to win? Cause like, I'd like to see Scotty Scheffler win. Like that would be cool. Okay. I like Scott. I, I would say Rory McIlroy to me. I know that sounds so obvious and everybody likes to see, Rory, but right now we're coming. We, we've just said it after players, we have three weeks until masters. And yeah. I want to see, I mean, I guess with Rory, the only thing is if he wins or he doesn't win and it's close again, I, I feel the pressure will be the same, but for Rory's sake, Will Rory go into Masters feeling a little bit different if he wins this tournament, if he's able to get it done? Because the concern for me is still if Rory is on Sunday in a final group, which happens a lot, we expect it to happen a lot, and it does, what's he going to do? Is he going to have a, a great – can we see a great Sunday round with Rory from the final group? And that question mark is still up in the air for me. So I think the conversation just – spirals a little bit out of control if Rory wins. And I wouldn't hate seeing that. Could you imagine if Rory enters the Masters, the only major he needs left to complete his career Grand Slam with like eight straight top five finishes and everyone's just foaming at the mouth? Like I would be all in for that. Yeah, and it'll probably include a win. And then you got <sighs> a player. He's a player's champion too. So uh, it seems like every course suits him well. Um, match play, he's done very well um, before, although Tiger got the best of him last year. And, and who knows if Tiger will even be there to take him down this year. So it, he, uh, to me, that's the storyline is what, what can Rory do over the weekend? Because we're used to this now. It's no surprise that he's sitting in tied fourth. He lives in the top five. He does to him, there's only five guys at the tournament every week. It, yeah. And but so you know what happens in that sense. The other guy, Patrick Reed, to me would be the other fascinating mm. conversation because what what are we get? Patrick Reed wins again. What what's the world of golf gonna do? How are we gonna respond? I, I, it's gonna burn that, itself down. Is it, what's yeah, gonna happen. It, the minds are just gonna explode. What oh, do we do with yeah. this guy? And it, maybe we just have to stop talking about him. Maybe we just leave Patrick Reed alone and he'll stop winning. <laughs> So good. So good. All right. Um, Arnold Palmer Invitational. Greg, any parting words? This is so good, man. This is I can't wait for this. I can't wait to watch it either. You you said it, Rick. You have a, a really hard golf course. Uh, conditions tend to get more difficult in the afternoon. Uh, maybe the late, late afternoon gets a little bit easier, but a 65 tomorrow will go a long way. And you can't count out anybody at this point. All right, maybe the guys that are over par right now. Maybe hmm. Brooks Kepka's a little bit too far back. but. It, you know, you, you get into a situation where you're at even par, even one over, you go out there in the morning and shoot 65. And like you said, the leaderboard flips entirely. It flips on its head. So I think we're in for an, a really exciting weekend. 
Um, and, and there's a couple of guys near the top of the leaderboard that will be there. But, uh, you know, don't be afraid to keep on scrolling because anyone that made the cut is really still somewhat in the mix. Keep on scrolling. I love it. All right, Greg, thank you very much. You can get Greg on Twitter. He's at the real GFD. This has been another episode of The First Cut. See you next time.